Mark Bullock, BMA Biotech. All right. Our favorite gentleman from over the pond doing business here in the United States. Of course, I'm not giving away anything. His accent will give that away very quickly. I've had several emails, by the way, from people asking about if you're really from England. Where are you from in England? Uh, a place called Worcester. It's where, the, it's where the sauce is made. Where the source? What's that? What's the source? Well, Worcestershire sauce. Oh, the it's sauce. A, oh, Yes, that horrible stuff. <laughs> Well, that that stuff's pretty popular, you know. And you can't have a Bloody Mary without it. Yeah, I, I grew up um, literally about ten minutes away from the actual manufacturing place, um, and I smelt that every day for sixteen years, and that was enough. I don't think people understand that that's an actual city and that's an actual thing. Like it's just people think it's just a word or the name of a family. I think. Oh no, it's, it's actually a city. Um, so Worcester is about 200-ish miles north of London, um, but it's the county seat of Worcestershire. So the sauce is actually made um, on Wilds Lane in Worcester. Oh, I think this is fantastic. See, this is the kind of experts we bring here on The Crude Life. Not only <laughs> do we know about you know remediation and um, cleanup, but we also know about uh, steak sauce. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in fact, the the sauce was actually made as a beer originally. Um, so oh, you're kidding me! Came, that was a beer? Seriously. So how it came about was back when Britain had such a large empire, um, a British army officer had contracted uh, Mr. Lee and Mr. Perrins, who were chemists, to formulate a new beer recipe so he could take it to India with him because he wanted to take a British ale with him. Um, it didn't quite work out the way they thought, so they shoved it in the back of a storeroom for about 10 years and totally forgot about it. And then 10 years later, they unearthed it again and were like, oh, I wonder what it can do now. And that's how Liam Perrins were born. There were two very renowned chemists at the time as well. There's some amazing courage in this world because if somebody brought me something that was in a back room for 10 years, I would probably not be the first one to try it. No, but back then I think it was a lot different to what you know what we see now. When it was, you know, it, 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 you know, you made something it lasted forever, sort of sort of mentality. Um, you know, there was no such thing as refrigeration, so you know what it was was basically a box with ice in, which went and got your ice per day. No, that's a good point because there there was not refrigeration, so there was a lot more preservation in root cellars and that sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, like when you look at Oh, just I was going to bring up the example of I think it was five or six years ago, it might have been ten years ago, but um, they found some honey that was ten thousand years old that was still edible in yep. one of, one of the Egyptian, you know, one of the Egyptian um, pyramids and things like that. So it's amazing that they, you know, they've got natural preservation methods and 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 all that. But anyway, okay, well, all right, from beer to sauce, um, let's get down down to Texas now and some of your business happenings down there um what's going on in, in your world you guys have been really busy lately yeah so we're starting to pick up a lot more new accounts um you know it seems a lot more people are coming around to our way of thinking uh, and they're also now seeing the benefit of the product uh well the, the flow assurance and also our cleanup products so you know it's nothing to complain about just a little less time than we <laughs> than we used to have basically um you know well, it's all good well, what are you hearing from some of your customers? I mean, uh, you know, I, I know what I hear about what your products are doing 
But you know, what are you guys here? And you, I mean, your business is picking up. You guys are expand, you know, expanding clients in, in terms of yeah. size and everything like that. So, this, by the way, for those people who are um, maybe joining for the first time, I, I take I take for granted, you know, that uh, everybody's listened to our couple interviews before then. But we should remind people that you're in the cleanup business because it organically happened within your company to where. Your customers came to you and said, can you help us with this? Because this is a problem where other companies are not up to snuff. They're not up to par like you guys are. We should probably remind people about that real quick. So give me a quick, you know, elevator pitch, 30 seconds or 60 seconds of that background about that. And then how that brought into your current evolution of business. Okay, so, uh, you know, as, as I've told you countless times before, so we started off in a complete different industry to the oil and gas sector, and then we're approached to basically um, develop a new type of um, chemical, which is biodegradable and uh, non-toxic and non-flammable. Uh, from there, we obviously, you know, designed this new product, which took a little bit of time to obviously get people to come to our way of thinking. Um, but then once the merits of the product were seen on its own, you know, we, we've got YouTube videos and everything else. Um, people were just applying it to other applications because originally we designed it for pipeline remediation. Um, but they were saying, well, it was too expensive to use for soil washing. You know, is there a way we could make a product for that? So that's where you see where we got our other products from is we had got customer feedback that they really wanted to use our product, but it was just too costly for certain applications. So we then went back to the drawing boards, you know, looked at what we were using within the product, looked at what we could cut down, so to speak, uh, and then basically produced a whole oil field chemical range off of one main product. Now we've got, I think it's 12 products in the oil and gas industry range. And then from there, you know, we were getting customers saying, well, you know, we've actually been, you know, we've employed a company to do a cleanup who hasn't done it correctly. You know, obviously not only do you, you, know, do you also do the cleanups. So we then then created an environmental services division to basically help our customers out when they, you know, do have a spillage that needs cleaning up. So not only are they getting a world-class product from us, they're also getting a world-class service because, you know, we've brought in a lot of people who have got countless years of experience in the industry um, on all sides, uh, you know, to, to basically enhance our client's experience when they use our company. How's that going, by the way? Because I, I think, to me, that's probably the interesting part of the story. It might it might bore other people, but I, I think that is the part that people want to hear about is how you're organically growing this side of your business because of demand. So many people out there are trying to create their own demand, and what you're doing is you're reacting to the signs and, and the words out there and, and I, I, I'm doing the same thing. And so, of course, I'm very, very uh, attuned to it and very aware of it. And in my business, what we call that is, you know, changing the oil in your car while you're going 60 miles an hour down the interstate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I was actually listening to your um, media, um, multimedia cast earlier when you were talking to um, Jack uh, Hamlin from Colorado, energy strong um you know i just listened to obviously you know the this new uh, senate bill uh, 181 they've just passed um you know which seems to be like a death nail in the coffin to the oil and gas industry in colorado it really seems that way um but then when you look at the reasons behind 
the you know what has led to that that bill coming about is basically there are companies within the industry who rightly or wrongly have misrepresented what they can do and what their products can do who have then sold it on to the operators who have you know for whatever reasons of sort you know we're going to use this company because they've got this product and then people have you know either you know they've contaminated the, the ground even further from you know the use of these products and it's just gave the industry a bad name um so that's where we've come in is what we've got this product which genuinely is you know 100 percent biodegradable you know people are now starting to throw that term around that you know our product our chemical is 100 percent biodegradable but then the question is are they really 100 percent biodegradable you know we've had an instance where um we asked a company on a public social media forum when they posted pictures of their new product and said okay it's biodegradable but what standard did you use? You know, there, there are obviously various testing standards you have to follow. Um, and to determine the biodegradability of a chemical, there's like 150 different different ways to categorize that. Um, and that company slash person in, in particular, you know, blocked me on the social media platform. It's, um, you know, and then tried to rubbish my name and say, oh, this guy doesn't know what he's on about. Um, you know, and it's like... <sighs> Unfortunately, the oil and gas industry are given a bad name because not necessarily because of the operators or what the operators are doing. It's sometimes down to the fact that uh, service companies are are genuinely just thinking that, you know, the industry is a cash cow for them. You know, not many companies look at them like that, but some do. Um, And that's where it gives companies like mine the space to maneuver in and say, okay, you've got X product here, which is costing you I know, $75 a gallon. Okay, when you use that product, you know, you can only use it in a 50% uh, concentration, nothing lower. So that's basically you're paying $37.50 per gallon end user cost. That's without labor costs. But it's claiming that it's cleaning your soil up, that you've just spilled all this oil over in days. Um, You know, then they make false claims about what it can actually do. You know, I think we've spoke about this before, where one company's toting the fact that it, tur- you know, their product turns crude oil into sand. You know, there is nothing on this planet that turns crude oil into sand in that short space of time. You know, it's scientifically impossible. Um, where we come along and say, actually, you know, our product doesn't do that. What our product does is it encapsulates the oil itself and brings it off the substrate and prevents it from rebinding on the substrate after we've removed it. So we've designed um, not just the chemical, we've also designed a, a, a machine that we can put our chemical, the contaminated soil and oil through, and it separates out into three different ways. You know, so we get clean soil on one side, recycled oil in the other, and then the product in another that we can actually recirculate and reuse. You know, just listening to you talk a little bit, I was thinking of my own memories, of course, and... Um... One of the reasons why this platform, I believe, works so much within the oil and gas industry, and we've talked about this before, where um, there's not a lot of chuck and jivers out there. Chuck and jiver is a term that I I got from, oh, back when I was a kid, I'm going to date myself here. There was a show called WKRP in Cincinnati, and it was from the uh, 70s, and I was just a, jeez, I was still not even a teenager in the 70s, I was still under 10 years old. And there was a sales guy by the name of Herb Tarlick. 
and he had this jacket that was just salesy. And um, that's one of the things I appreciate about what you're trying to do is like you're almost trying to overcorrect from the Herb Tarlicks out there and the Chuck and Drivers is that you understand that the energy industry is a serious business and so much of our lives revolve around it that it almost irritates you to the point to where I, I, you, you want to make a difference because yeah. you don't want people to be sucked into it, you know, because, you know, you've got a history with the industry. Your family has yeah. um, some roots in the industry. And so you get that. And to me, that's that's what I like about this because I do the same thing. I, I Like I said, I'm a little, a little aware of this to where um, I, I actually wrote down on my bathroom mirror three years ago, three years ago, excuse me with my pronunciation, three years ago when we changed our, our business model to where we went non-political and decided to get more towards, you know, the long format interviews and really reach with people on a new level. Um, short-term gain versus long-term pain. And that that is very well apparent. What we wanted to do is we wanted to come back and be able to say to people, we can look at you in the eyes and, and be perfectly fine with what we're saying. That's what I feel like you're trying to do is like, you're trying to overcorrect. Like, you know, you're not trying to just get a quick buck here. You're trying to say, listen, we want to do business long-term here. Am I off on that or not? No, no. I mean, you are completely spot on. You know, we are not in there just to come into the industry for a few years to make a few hundred million and disappear into the night and leave a trail of wreck and ruin. You know, we are there for the long haul where we're saying, right, you know, don't just look at us as another environmental services company. Look at us like a partner where, you know, if you spill crude oil for whatever reason, you know, or you contaminate the ground, you know, you haven't got to worry that it's not going to be cleaned up correctly. You know, you know that you can pick up the phone, give us a call, and we'll have someone on site who will first evaluate the, the spill and the level of contamination and then basically draw up a, a robust an effective action plan to clean that up at the most cost-effective means and then when you do your secondary testing to confirm that everything's cleaned up you haven't got to worry that what we've done is just wash it deeper down into the subsurface we've actually removed that crude oil or the EMP waste from the soil you know I mean we had a I had a phone call the other day from a raw material supplier who said hey hydro, hydrogen peroxide is, is the greatest thing ever to clean up crude oil it's, you know, it makes everything biodegradable. And I was like, really? Okay. So talk me through this. How does it make it biodegradable? Oh, well, it disappears within 35 days. I was like, yeah, the hydrogen peroxide does, you know, but not the crude oil. Oh, it does, you know. And it's just one of those things where you sit there and you think, if you sit there and listen to what you're talking about, you'll actually realize how stupid you really sound. You know, people, they... Unfortunately, operators get sucked into it because, you know, Colorado is a prime example. You know, they've brought out these new laws to protect, I, I think their wording is to protect the health, safety, um, welfare, the environment and the wildlife resources of Colorado, which, yes, you know, agreeable, it needs to happen, but it needs to happen in moderation, you know, not out and out banning the whole industry from the state, you know, just saying, right, you know, you've got to be a bit more responsible in who you employ to clean up that mess or who you employ to design that pipeline or whatever, you know? And that's what where we come in is we're like, you know, we're not just here for five minutes. We are here for the long haul, the whole duration, and we have nothing to hide. Who's your customer these days? Um, 
I like to ask people that, you know, because the oil industry is pretty diverse, but at the same time, it's extremely specific. So um, for those people that, you know, might be listening to this interview and like what you are are talking about, but um, not sure how they can help, maybe they might know somebody or maybe they are somebody. Uh, Who's your direct customer? So our, our, our original market focus was on operators, you know, sell our product direct to operators like every other chemical company in the, in the industry. However, what we found was being a new company in such a wide reaching industry, it was very hard to penetrate. So then we re, refocused on distributors. Um, so, you know, we, we started on the distributor level who we still sell to, but they most of them are under white label private agreements. So you, you could already be using our product, but actually not know it, not know about it. Um, you know, then we also sell direct to service companies um, who deploy it in the field, again, under their own name. Um, and sometimes we sell direct to operators. So we, we focus our efforts now on selling to distributors, service companies, and the operator. Kind of winding down here a little bit, just uh, thinking of some last thoughts. What are some things that you want people to um, take away from what you are uh, offering right now at this place in your business's existence, if you will. Yeah, I mean, so basically, you know, we are a full-range chemical company with a a complement of an environmental division that are focused on providing our clients long-term, sustainable, and cost-effective solutions to, you know, reduce um, the effects uh, the, the negative effects on the health, safety, and the environment overall. All right, let's get some contact information how people can get in touch with you, etc. Okay, so people can either reach out to us directly online at our website at www.bmabiotech.com or they can send us an email to info at bmabiotech.com or they can call us directly on 832-886-4867.